Welcome to Raising Consciousness with me, Lou Burrows, where raising human consciousness happens. On this show, I'm joined by guests to cover a range of topics and have conversations that will raise human consciousness for current and future generations. Now, let's dive into today's show. Hey everyone, welcome back to Raising Consciousness, episode 27 we're on now. And in today's episode, I am joined by David Florence, uh, who I'm really excited to bring onto the show. I feel like I say that every single week when I have a new guest, that I'm always excited to bring new guests onto the show, but uh, that's because I am. And um, so I first came across David's work at an event that I went to, I think it was in June, Always Better Than Yesterday event. I kind of knew of David, I never knew of you, David, but beforehand. Um, uh, just kind of like within the Always Better Than Yesterday community, but that was like the first time I've probably seen your work in action because obviously we've done some of the exercises and stuff. And uh, actually at that event, I brought my little brother along and he was like, what is this stuff? You know, like, <laughs> what am I getting into when, it, when, when when we're going through the different exercises and stuff? Um, he's not really into the personal development and stuff. But yeah, it, anyway, it was fun. It was fun. It was uh, enjoyable. And obviously since I've followed a little bit more of your journey on LinkedIn and whatnot. But um, yeah, really excited to have you on. Thank you so much for joining me. And um, we'd, we'd love to kick today off with you. learning a little bit more about who is David ultimately. Yes. Yeah, so... My name is David Florence. I am, I use a kind of collective term to describe what I do as being a wellness consultant because I couldn't really think of anything else that adequately describes what I do. But I now teach individuals and corporate groups uh, either how to de-stress or how to optimize their mind and their body. Um, Preferably the latter, because it's far more interesting in the sense that, I mean, everybody needs to de-stress and figure out ways to uh, um, deal with the impact of stress and anxiety. The way you do that from a long-term perspective is you start to optimize mind and body. And you can do that via a number of different protocols. Um, so I'm qualified as a breathwork coach, clinical hypnotherapist, neuro-linguistic programming practitioner, flow state coach. Uh, and also positive intelligence, uh, which is all linked to sort of positive psychology. And I make use of all of those. Plus, at the same time, anything else that I've picked up on my journey um, uh, to optimize my own mind and body. And I can go into that story on uh, uh, should you wish me to as well. Um, so I'm continually in this research mode. Uh, you know, I've figured a lot mm. of stuff out. I don't ever expect to figure it all out because I don't want to, I like the fact that my life is all about exploration and experimentation and playing. And um, so all through this journey, I'm picking up wisdom and knowledge from other experts in their field, uh, books, um, qualifications, and, and then I just, everything I learn, I apply and pass it on to others wherever I see it's relevant. Um, and the other thing perhaps I should mention as well, so this all started from a YouTube channel that I created back in 2017, no, 2018 rather, and called Evolution of Dave. And uh, that's, that was the beginning of my own research, really. I, I wanted to optimize my mind and my body, and I started to chronicle my journey on YouTube. And that was the catalyst to all of this. That was the catalyst to how I um, uh, grew um, my knowledge and gained qualifications and uh, just developed a better understanding about how to optimize mind and body. 
Amazing. Excellent. Um, do you have a, like, a favorite protocol that maybe, like, you go to personally or, like, one that you find, like, your clients more navigate towards? Like, or is it just, like, depends, you just, like, obviously tailor the, the experience um, to, you know, the client and whatever they needed at that time? I'm just wondering if it's, like, a standout one for you that um, comes to mind. Yeah, so I think everybody should learn how to breathe properly, first of all. Um, and that mm. comes right down to just, you know, simple things like breathing through your nose. You know, there's a reason why this conk is on your face. Um, and a lot of people don't breathe through their nose. Uh, so that would be the first mm. step. A lot of people are breathing from the chest, you know, because they are in a stressful environment. Our world that we've created is highly stressful. As a flip side to that, though, stress can work for you. You don't always have to associate stress with being negative. It can be good for you. Uh, it's stress that actually allows us to adapt and change. But going back to breath work, I would say, above anything that I teach. And the one thing that it has had uh, the biggest impact is definitely breath work uh, because there's so much you can mm. do with it. You know, you can learn techniques to calm you down, to activate your parasympathetic nervous system, you know, calming your system down. You can learn techniques that within a minute give you energy. You can learn techniques that optimize the, um, the respiratory system so that you can take in more or, or make use of more oxygen. I mean, I, I wouldn't say this is kind of one of the misnomers with, with, breath, with breath work that, um, especially around the likes of Wim Hof method, where, you know, he, he talks about oxygenating your body as if you can take in more oxygen. But actually, that's not quite correct in the sense that our blood oxygen level typically sits around about 95%. So we've usually got enough oxygen in there. The trick really, and the key to all this is making use of it better, optimizing that uh, mm -hmm. amount of oxygen. That's where people go wrong, and that's where people need fixing. So in answer to your question, yeah, breathwork absolutely is probably the thing that you can build into your life very quickly, very easily. Everybody can do it, and it will have a significant impact on your life. I love that because um, I, like, I love how these, uh, I guess, like synchronicities and, and like things just happen in life, right? So at the moment, I'm taking a breathwork course. Um, by so I'm I'm not sure if you've heard of the platform called Mind Valley, um, so it's like a personal Ooh. development platform. Basically, they have like all these different kind of courses and programs. They just brought out a brand new program by the founder of Soma Breath, uh, Niraj, um, and so he's created a course for this platform. It's all about breath breath work, etc. Um, and I've come across Soma a bit bit more and attended some of their sessions as well, which is really awesome. And so I'm learning about all this right now, and yeah, it's just amazing how. Um, yeah, just like fascinating from different breathwork techniques, you know, that can help with different things in life, you know, to heal the mind and, and body that I never knew beforehand. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of going through that, that process right now. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been, it's been interesting. So I, I definitely can, can resonate with that. So I kind of come back in my past, I guess, like for more of a, like, so beforehand I was like big on meditation and not so much breath work. And then, then I've been like, okay, how can I implement breath work into my daily routine, my practice, etc.? Um, do you feel like there's a confusion between like meditation and breath work? Because obviously they are different and, um, yeah, if we kind of like talk on that, because I guess that's where my confusion was, has, was beforehand, you know, when I was practicing more of the meditation side and not so much of the breathwork side. Um, just kind of like talk to that and like how they're different. And um, do, you, do you find them both 
the beneficial, like to merging the two, that is kind of what I've done over the past three to six months. You will be, you will be merging because you're doing Soma Breath. I'm a Soma mm. instructor. So um, you are about <laughs> to, at some point, mm. learn how you can, uh, through breath work, combine breath work with meditation. And the reason why mm. you do that is, so all Soma breath work is, is largely pranayama derived. So this is ancient wisdom, ancient mm. knowledge that we've known through yoga. Yoga was only really about the breath. It wasn't really about um, movement of the body initially. It was much more focused around the breath. And what uh, these uh, specific Soma breath techniques make use of, you'll learn lots of different techniques in Soma breath, but the main ones are very similar to the Wim Hof method in the sense that they're pranayama stroke tumo uh, derived, and they involve inhale, lots of inhale exhales in a repetitive fa fashion, followed by an exhale and then holding your breath. When you do the exhale breath hold, you then enter a meditative phase, a meditation phase. Um, and it's that that you need to consider as being a sort of a meditation phase, because in that exhale breath hold state, you are in quite a calm, certainly initially, until obviously you get the urge to breathe. You're in this kind of calm, relaxed state. Now, obviously, with Soma breath, you do get some extra subliminal messages uh, that, that run in the background. Obviously, if you were to practice the same breath technique without any sound, without any audio, you could really play about in your mind around intentions and um, uh, or, or just mantras and things like that. So, yeah, when we think of meditation, for a lot of people, meditation on its own is hard, especially, you know, if you're a parent or mm. you're just a busy human being in this modern world. If you lived in a cave somewhere, you'd probably find it really easy to meditate. You know, if, if your life was, you know, like a yogi living in a cave, not doing anything else other than just centering and, and focusing and, and working on the inner world, the inner self, then meditation would be really easy or easier. In today's world, with all the distractions we have from our phones and technology and friends and family and the toxicity that we, we have around us, meditation can be really difficult. Um, and that's where I actually, I actually think mindfulness is easier for people to consider uh, because mindfulness is something everybody mm. can do any time of the day, doing anything. Because <laughs> all it really means is you allow yourself to be present by focusing on your senses. You, you, know, you can do it when you're washing up. That's quite, quite often what I tell people to do sometimes. You know, they might have a dishwasher, but I'll say to them, you know, instead of putting your plates in the, dish, in the dishwasher, why don't you spend five minutes and it seems like it's a chore when I describe it, but it won't be if you turn it into a mindful activity. And, and certainly Alan, Alan Watts, the great philosopher, you know, we talk about this. You simply focus on the smell of the dishwasher liquid, the, the, the sound of the water as it, as it runs from the tap into the pool of water below, the feeling of your hands in the water, the, 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 the vision, the sight of the, mood, the food being scraped away off the plates. And you slow it all down and it becomes this mindful activity that's meditative in nature. So, yeah, breath work and meditation, two incredibly powerful tools. Um, but like I said, you can combine them and do them both at the same time. Uh, and also, if you find meditation on its own hard, then definitely try mindfulness. Just as an aside, um, I had somebody on my YouTube channel uh, Dr. Hassan uh, Akram, who 
Um, I don't think he'll mind me promoting his, his stuff, but he has created this very interesting technology, fascinating technology, where he is able to hook up this device that allows you to hear the sound of your mind when meditating. The trick here and the point wow. is that when you get to a point of meditation where you've totally let go, you know, when, when you've got that beautiful, blissful state that in yogic terms, we talk about samadhi and things like that, uh, that totally blissful state where all is calm, you, you're not thinking of anything because you've got this complete letting go mindful state that if you're a practicer of meditation, you will have experienced. When you're listening to the sound mm. of your brain via this device, you will be able to detect the difference in the sound of your brain when you're in that state. And so what's cool about that is knowing that in meditation, we often sort of drift in and out of that state because of course our monkey mind trips in and um, starts involuntarily, you know, chucking in negative loop patterns or thoughts for the day. What this allows you to do is because you've got the sound of that mind, you're here when your mind is coming out of that state. So therefore you can then go, okay, now I'm going to, you know, work my way back into that state mm -hmm. and I can do that through hearing the sound of my mind. So really interesting stuff. And so in terms of like what we're talking about, what are some of the main challenges that you come across when working with, with clients, whether it's with meditation or with breath work, what, what are some of the things that they say? I, I guess like, I'm just assuming maybe a bit like, uh, on like the, the breath hold, um, is, is one thing oh, I can't hold my breath for long periods of time. Like what are some of the, the, the challenges that people come to you with when it comes to those practices? Yeah. Well, first really important point is that, um, there are certain breathwork techniques that are not suitable for everybody. Mm. You know, if you've got certain contraindications that you'll come across this in, in soma breath, um, you know, if you've got heart arrhythmia, if you've got COPD or, you know, if you've got anything that's respiratory based, then there's certain breath techniques you can't do. Also, let's say you are in a heightened stressful um, state. Therefore, you know, you've got increased levels of um, uh, cortisol and adrenaline running through your system, then actually the likes of the Wim Hof method, for example, or those really sympathetic derived practices. So what I mean by that is those that do increase heart rate, do increase blood pressure. They're not going to be good for you right now. So some of the things I come across, mm. obviously of the clients that I work with, typically they are often anxious or highly stressed. So I wouldn't go to certain breath techniques initially because they're not in the right state for it. And when it comes to breath holds as well, when it comes to breath work in, in particular, um, none of it should be uh, perceived from the perspective of force. Mm. Because of its popularity in our breath work, there is this, you know, through apps, through technology, through influencers, um, you've got people almost encouraging those to practice this breath work with an analytical mind. In other words, how long can I hold my breath for? Because of course there are some techniques that will allow you to hold your breath for ridiculously long times. It's incredible really what you're capable of doing. But in my opinion, if you go into this breath work thinking, I want to um, uh, see how long I can hold my breath for, um, mm. rather than 
I want to do that breathwork practice in order to get a better understanding of my inner world, you know, in order to engage with um, my inner physiology. You'll know this in Soma Breath, we talk about the inner pharmacy because we've got rather than pharmaceutical drugs that we could turn to to heal our body, we can find most of those drugs in in house, as it were, within our body. Um, and from my perspective, especially if you're highly stressed or anxious, it's better to see breath work as a means of healing, as a means of um, activating positive neurochemicals, as a means of actually um, improving your mind. You know, we've now got enough research to suggest that certain breath work will improve um, spatial memory, for example. Um, you know, you can really work on this and improve your cognitive ability through breathwork alone. So it's better to look at breathwork as a tool for that, as opposed to getting involved with Facebook groups and, and apps saying, oh, look, I've reached three minutes, 41. Tomorrow I'm going to see if I can hold my breath for longer. You know, that's fun. I get that. But if that's your entire focus, you're missing the point. You're missing and you're losing out on all this, on these wonderful benefits that this stuff can do and bring to you and will give this long term um, gain, uh, you know, into your life. So that's one of the things I definitely come across people that are in a state where actually certain practices won't work and they won't be able to hold their breath, but I don't force them to do that. And nor do I say it's a problem. Um, mm. also, of course, some of the things that I teach less so now, but some of the things I teach just won't resonate with people because they consider it perhaps too fluffy, too woo-woo, too spiritual. And I say perhaps not mm. so much nowadays because over the last three years, because of what's happened to our society, people are waking up and they're becoming much more aware that they do need to figure out how to optimize their mind and their body. Therefore, they're open to new ideas. They're open to some of these esoteric practices um, simply because I think they realize that they can't turn to the local GP for help in every respect and that they do need to take responsibility for their own health. And therefore, by doing that, they become interested and excited and intrigued by all these different practices. So now when I talk to people about breath work, movement, flow, rituals, mantras, most of the time, I don't get a rolling of the eyes. You know, people go, oh, yeah, yeah, I get it. I understand what that is, which is very different to what it was a few mm. years ago. No, I definitely um, also uh, resonate with that, you know, and I've developed the belief that, you know, I'm responsible at the end of the day for my own mind and body, you know, and so, um, yeah, you know, I, I kind of got into more of the health side, I guess, through um, exercise and stuff. And then I became more aware of, you know, like, obviously, the breath work that like we've been talking about, through your uh, coaching, consultant, etc. Do you also focus on like, um, so exercise and, and, and physical movement as yeah. well? Or is it more about the breath work and i think you also mentioned nlp um I'm curious to kind of explore that side as well yes yeah, so it's the whole thing um something mm. i started practicing a few years ago uh quite naturally before i then a friend of mine who's a professor of epidemiology in australia um sydney university he said dave you realize that what you're teaching on youtube is exactly what we're researching at the moment um, and it's called Vilpa, was previously called Hippa. But what it is, is um, this technique uh, through incidental physical activity that you build this into your day 
Um, and that will have the same impact as you doing hit exercise, for example. Hmm. The beauty with this idea and this philosophy of movement is that it's great for people that don't like exercise or even the word exercise. It's great for people that don't have time or think they don't have time to go to the gym. And it's great for people that don't even want to change into any kit because what you do is you consider your day and you break it up as a means of simply raising your heart rate over a number of different times in the day. And so what I've been doing over the last few years is figuring that in the morning when I wake up, one of the things I'm saying to myself is, how am I going to move through this day, pushing my body, lifting my body, pulling my body, walking through my body, breathing, etc., etc. So I now, as, an, as a, a voluntary response to this, in other words, it's a motor response, I make use of my environment that's both in the house, externally as well, as a means to exercise. I don't need to go to the gym, nor do I like them. I don't need anything other than my body. My body is my gym. So this HIPAA or VILPA exercise um, is all about you thinking, how can I raise my heart rate over the next two minutes? So after this call, for example, I'll get down and do a whole load of push-ups. I might do the Bring Sally Up push-up challenge. I might go outside and do the Russian um, uh, pull-up uh, challenge. I might use those stairs behind me as, as a, um, a monkey bar um, mm. spot. You know, I make use of that as a way of climbing around. Um, if I'm making a cup of tea or coffee, then I'll use the corner of the worktop in my kitchen as a dip station. Um, you know, I might just uh, do some squats, burpees. I'll, I'll experiment. But all the while, I'm thinking, how am I going to push, pull, lift my body throughout the day at various intervals? And at no point, typically, do I, um, therefore, need to change my kit? Because it's literally two, three minutes of short burst activity. And when you do that over the course of the day, so long as you're raising your heart rate in most of those occasions, it's going to be exactly the same uh, as you doing, say, a HIT exercise uh, session at the gym, for example. Um, the beauty with it is, of course, that you then start to, when you've got that mindset, you then start thinking, okay, um, I could take the car to work, but actually it's not that far, I'll cycle. Um, my office is at the top of the building rather than taking the lift, I'll walk up there because that's going to raise my heart rate. Rather than driving to the local supermarket, I'll go there and walk back with two heavy bags full. So you've got almost like a farmer's walk on the way home. It just It's a way of seeing your world and your existence as a means of moving your body like you're meant to. We weren't meant to be sat down in front of a computer using all this technology. And the more we get sucked into this and allow ourselves to be doing what we're doing now, then the more we're going to start seeing ourselves both psychologically and physiologically getting sicker. So I think for a lot of people, they think I don't have time to exercise or I'm so unfit. I don't want to. I fear it. But this is kind of a, um, a counter to that because it means you can do it in your own home. You don't have to change your kit. And it's all short burst activity. So that's what I teach, yeah, around movement mm. and pushing your body. I love that. Um, and so is that the main form of, uh, like, exercise that, that you do right now? So you don't necessarily go for, like, you know, a workout or something. You, you practice this yourself every single day as your form of exercise, basically. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I, I am a coach that practices what, practices what I preach. Um, 
and I think all mm. coaches should be this way. <laughs> you know, so this the way that I teach others Definitely. how to optimize their mind and body is exactly how I live. Um, so you know, I obviously go for the occasional run, occasional swim, occasional walk, but most uh, well every day I'm pushing my body in the way that I've just described. But some days I'll do sort of slightly longer sessions because I enjoy, you know, going for a walk or a run or, or of course, the other thing that I do, um, which I don't necessarily think everybody should do, though I think if everybody did it, they would gain from it. So two days of the week, I do a gardening job. It's a, uh, a physical job. So I'm not really a gardener. I'm much more of a laborer. So I'm employed to dig holes, chop trees, mm. um, trim bushes <laughs> um, uh, and all of it is very physical so for those two days in the week i get a full eight hours of proper sometimes overly so proper exertion but my hands are in nature i'm outside again which is what we're meant to be doing perhaps as a last point sometimes when i'm doing that job i'm working alongside builders and I'm often reminded of the contrast of those that do that laboring role and those that sit in an office. And you stand by a, you know, for a day next to some builders. Yes, you're gonna hear some pretty strong language. Um, <laughs> yes, you're gonna see lots of chiding and, and taking the mickey out of each other, but they're all generally happy most of the time. They're all whistling or singing, which can be really annoying, I get. But at the same time, what does that tell you? That most mm. of the time they're in a really good state, that they are doing what we're meant to do, push, pull, lift. Sorry, my, my phone going off. Um, and when you contrast that obviously with those that are sat in an office all day, it's really significant, isn't it? You know, there's a lot of negative energy mm. in offices because we're being forced to work in a way that is not natural. And that's why if I'm working with corporates, let's say I want to create a long-term program, then I do talk to them about how can we build in some natural practices that will actually benefit the employees. You know, if we're not moving throughout the day, then actually we do become far more, uh, sorry, far less efficient. Our brains can't function as well. If you simply broke up your day whilst at your desk, getting down, doing a few push-ups, then getting back to your work, and then perhaps the next hour going for a walk for, for five, 10 minutes, then getting back to your work, or you know, you, you, you go to the loo and you do what Tim Ferriss calls stall squats. <laughs> um, you know, if you did all that whilst working in an office, then that office existence wouldn't be so harmful. It's only because we allow ourselves, because of the, the nature mm. of the job and the technology that we have, we allow ourselves to get sucked in and sat down for too long. Yeah, I was going to like come to that. So do you recommend that people work in like a certain time block? So whether that's like a 45 minute time block and then take 10, 15 minutes out or like what's or, or does it depend on, I don't know, the, the company you're working with? Like I'm kind of interested to explore that um, because, again, like as you said, you know, a lot of us um, can, when we come to work, be sat at the desk for four or five hours, then go and have lunch and sat down again, right? And then another, and then in the afternoon, another four or five hours. So, like, is there a recommended kind of time that you give to people? Every forty-five minutes to an hour, move, get off your butt. Forty-five minutes, um, cool. 
and do something that's in contrast to what you were just doing. You know, and, mm-hmm. and it can be just do something that takes a minute. You know, I've got something on my YouTube channel that I call mm-hmm. the one minute state changer. One minute, you do that, you will feel noticeably different by the end of it. Uh, you may well be giggling by the end of it. Um, so it doesn't take much. And that's why if you built this stuff into an office environment, it doesn't have to impact on the working day. You could do it. It, it, it is mm. possible to create this new working environment um, where people are moving a lot more. They're engaging with other humans a lot more. Um, and it doesn't impact uh, the working day. And in fact, it has a positive impact because you become far more efficient, rational. You don't react in a negative way to something that somebody might have said to you that because your mind isn't in a rational state, you, you kind of associate with being negative or you pick up as being negative. Um, yeah. And obviously some people have standing desks, so that's great. That's brilliant. But I also don't think we should stand in the same position for a length of time. You know, I think people quite often think, oh, it's all right, I'm healthy, I've got a standing desk. Well, good for you, that's brilliant. That's better than sitting, but at the same time, if you just stood in that same position, um, that's also bad for you. So it's yeah, it's, it's, it's just thinking, um, you know, we all know what the answer is to this, really. If you thought about it rationally, we all know that if we sat down for longer than an hour in an uncomfy seat, because they usually are, then it's not going to be good for us. So to give you an example, um, mm-hmm. during COVID, one of my former clients, so when I ran a recruitment company uh, a few years ago, one of my former clients who was a tax partner, um, so an accountant, uh, a, sorry, a tax professional within an accountancy firm, she um, ended up in hospital and had a pulmonary embolism. And she did a post on LinkedIn uh, and I thought it was amazing and really good for her. She came out and she, she wanted to tell, tell all really her story. And she said, it's okay. I'm, I'm working my way back to health now, but it was touch and go. And I was told specifically by the consultant, I wouldn't have got myself in this situation had I simply moved more. So, just simply by doing her job and allowing herself to be sucked in so completely that she sat there for too long and over a prolonged period of time, she then suffered this pulmonary embolism, you know, which is akin to sort of deep vein thrombosis and then worse. And so, um, like I said, I think we all know what the real answer to this is. It's, you know, when you think about it rationally, we know that being sat down really for any length of time is not good for us over, you know, over half an hour, probably, but we can handle it for an hour. You know, we can do it in the cinema for an hour and a half, two hours if we have to. But afterwards, I think it's just, you just have to be realistic and, and not be too strict with this in the sense that, you know, I might say to somebody, right, okay, what I want you to do is download something called meditation timer on your phone. And I want you to set an alarm on there that every 45 minutes to an hour goes off. Um, but of course, when that alarm goes off, you might be sucked into a Zoom call. You might be really involved in your project. So of course, there's gonna be times when you can't move and you've gotta be realistic. But it's just mm. learning how to listen to your body. You'll know when it's time to get off your backside. And ideally it is every hour. And preferably for at least two minutes 
and then also in the day have at least half an hour lunch break. You don't really need an hour, in my opinion, either. And I actually think sometimes an hour lunch break can be detrimental. It takes you longer to get back into work when you've had an hour lunch break. Mm. Uh, and if you broke up the day in these sort of in these increments of two to five minutes plus half an hour at lunch, you'd probably still be fine and, and still remain in good working mode. And which is why I'm saying this, because I think there's a lot of leaders, owners of businesses out there that will hear what I'm saying and think, yeah, Dave, that's not realistic. How can I get all of my staff to do that much mm. of a time off away from their desk? But we're not talking about a significant amount of time here. It's just a restructuring of the day. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I even think like, um, I suppose like what's coming to me, if, if people, and you kind of alluded to it there, if, if their timer goes off and they're in, some, in, in the middle of something and then they like judge themselves of like, Oh shit, I haven't, I haven't moved. Right. And then they feel bad for, for, for not doing that. Obviously we're not, um, and just like managing that, obviously, like you said, like if we're in a zoom meeting, then there's nothing that we can do about that. It's then about having, I guess, the, the awareness after the zoom meeting is done, you then move, right? Exactly. Be realistic. Don't beat yourself up over it. Um, which I think is another, uh, symptom of today's world, isn't it? You know, we, we, um, we don't forgive ourselves enough and we don't, um, love ourselves enough. You know, we, we go about this life being mm -hmm. worried about what others think. Um, we worry about not doing enough, not showing up. We worry about not being uh, a capable, efficient human being. The more we practice, it's a bit like a post that I did on LinkedIn the other day, you know, when I interviewed this guy and he said, um, the one thing everybody could do that will make a big impact on their life is to practice forgiveness and gratitude. And, um, and I, I totally, I'm totally with that. I, I totally agree. Um, and I would also add to that, the humans that go about this life that look like they've figured a lot of this out are the ones that have done the work on themselves. So the ones that choose to be inquisitive to figure out who they are, a bit like you, Luke, you know, the tender young age that you are, you're doing a brilliant job. You know, when you're my age, um, you are going to be, you know, you, you're going to be um, uh, in good stead because you've already started to do the work at it and you're inquisitive and you're um, uh, enthusiastic to to find out more about how to optimize mind and body. And that's, that really is going to stand you in good stead, especially if you choose to become a parent or if you, um, um, uh, you know, if, if you get married, if you're not already, you know, you know, when you take on these extra commitments and responsibilities in life, it's mm -hmm. doing the work on yourself that really pays dividends. The more you understand about who you are, the easier it is to work with other humans and the easier it is to be empathetic to other humans, the easier it is to flow through life um, and for things to start going your way. So, yeah, definitely practicing forgiveness and gratitude, being kind to yourself and also trying to understand who you are and what your place is, what your purpose is. They're all really crucial, I'd say, if you want to you know, flow through this life. Before we wrap up today, um, I would love to learn a little bit more about, um, so it's about kind of your journey into this, you know, ultimately, um, obviously we spoke about, it all started with a, a YouTube channel. What was like the, the first practice you went to, I, I guess, you know, for me, yeah, it was more of like the exercise, um, side, I guess. 
and then meditation then got into like journaling quite a lot because that helped me to express you know thoughts and feelings that i had so i'm kind of interested in in your evolution obviously that's the name of your of your channel and i'm sure people can check that out i'll link that down below um but yeah i'm kind of curious to learn a bit more about your story that we touched on beforehand before we wrap up today yeah so this is a story that i'm so familiar in telling um <laughs> so back in 2017 we'd had with my recruitment business that i ran with a, a friend of mine we'd had a bad year we'd had a member of staff that was fraudulent we started losing money left right and center we weren't driven by passion or energy and and it came to the end of the year and we had a christmas party just like we did every year and this is also a Christmas party where we linked up with a whole load of other self-employed people or people that ran their own business in the Bath area. And uh, we drank a lot of alcohol. Um, at some point in the night, something happened. I don't know what happened because I, 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 there's a period between 12 and 5 a.m. that I have no idea of what happened. I lost five hours. Something's happened. And... All I remember is being sat by the side of the road and people walking past me, tapping me on the shoulder and asking if I was okay. And me thinking at the time, of course, Sam, why, why do people keep asking me this strange question? I really didn't get it at all. And then a paramedic um, van turned up and the first thing I said to them was, oh, are you lost? Can I help? And they said, no, 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 sir, we're here for you. I said, what are you talking about? I don't need any help. And then they got their phone out, took a photograph of my head, and obviously it was covered in blood. And I then realized, okay, yeah, something's happened. So I was taken to hospital. It wasn't that bad. It was just, you know, it was a head injury, but it wasn't serious. But that next day, I then, you know, I was a, a uh, I'm still a father, obviously. And at the time, my son was, what, two, three years old. And I had a very worried wife. And I thought, that's not good. That's not how a husband and father should act, you know, despite doesn't matter whose fault it was. At the end of the day, I was the one that chose to drink that amount of alcohol. So inevitably it all falls down on me. I don't know what happened, whether I got involved in a fight, whether I fell downstairs, I have no idea. Um, but the point was to me at that time was, right, this is my wake up call. That's not how I should be acting. And that same day when I got home, it was minus temperatures outside. I'd already been watching videos on the Wim Hof Method and I thought that's what I need. So I grabbed the, I stripped off naked, got in the garden, grabbed the garden hose and just stood there pouring this cold water over me while standing in minus temperatures. And of course that totally changed my state. And I thought, oh, okay, something in this, I like this. So I did it the next day. And then I started getting into the breath work that's associated with the Wim Hof method. And three months in, because of the breath work, I was on such a high, I was ready to scream from the rooftops to say, this is amazing, everybody should do this. Mm. Of course, nobody listened, as in my friends and family didn't listen, they all thought I was weird, but it had such an impact that that was when I started to create a YouTube channel because I thought other people need to know about this. Um, I wanna tell my story. So that was the catalyst uh, to it all. And I'm really grateful for it. That negative experience became a gift and opportunity. Again, this is kind of something else that I teach, which taps into this positive intelligence idea mm. where you can look at everything in life, especially the really tough bits and think, okay, what gift or opportunity is there in that experience? Because there's always one. And that was mine. Mm. 
Amazing. Uh, I mean, that's something we we didn't touch upon was um, the cold therapy as well. Um, so is that something that you recommend to everyone or, or is it the same with breath work? It obviously depends if people, I don't know, if they have conditions or something like the cold therapy might not be suitable. Um, yeah, what's, what's your recommendation for that if people are curious about, about that? Because that's kind of become a trend as well. Exactly. Yeah. Just go easy with it. Most people can deal with it, but some mm. people, you know, it's, it, it, if you want to be sensible about it, get yourself checked up by a doctor beforehand. Um, mm. uh, make sure you haven't got any kind of hidden conditions that, that could be exacerbated through the stress response that you're going to get from being in the cold, because that's what you're going to get. Obviously, your body doesn't like it. Um, and this is how you develop a number of wonderful things one of them being resilience, another being discipline. When you force yourself to engage with the cold and make the cold your friend, as it were, um, you develop this incredible discipline that then filters into other areas of your life. Um, so most people should try it so long as they are physiologically okay. Um, and of course, another really key benefit to it is, so every time I have a cold shower every day, um, I know that 15 minutes after that cold shower, I can then experience three hours of a dopamine surge. So this is one of those natural chemicals that we can create ourselves. Uh, we don't need to turn to pharmaceutical help for this. We can uh, turn on the tap to this dopamine that happens every single time after a cold shower, as long as we've been in there long enough. And you can then ride this wave of a doing chemical, a action chemical, a one that keeps you focused and keeps you excited. Um, so yeah, everybody should try it again, so long as they've been checked up, so long as they don't have any, you know, heart condition uh, or anything that, that could be linked to their autonomic nervous system. Um, then mm. yeah, absolutely, give it a go. Final question for me, and then we will um, wrap up for today's episode, Dave. Um, so. With all these practices, um, obviously we, we've touched upon it that it causes a, stri a stress response um, in the body. How would one know, or, or is there a situation where through doing all of these, we reach too much stress within the body? Like, and, and, and what would, from your experience, what are some of the, like, the warning signs? You know, if people are doing cold showers and they're doing breath work, then they're doing exercise and do, you know, whatever. Is there a, yeah, like, is there a, a level where we do too much? And if so, like, how, what are some of the warning signs from your experience? Yeah, so check in with your mind. You know, if, if, if you're doing all these wonderful health mm. practices and yet you're still in this sort of anxious state, then clearly they're, they're not serving you. They're not working for you or you're not doing them properly. Um, check in with your nervous system. You know, if, if quite a lot of the time through doing all of these practices, you're finding yourself, um, uh, so a lot of people go too far with the cold and then they experience this after drop effect and they can't warm up. So, you know, mm. you'll know when you're experiencing that. Um, if you're wandering around all the time and you're really sweaty because your nervous system quite, can't quite um, uh, balance itself, that's another indicator. Um, if through doing these practices that you find that you're, um, uh, improperly breathing, you know, and you notice, hang on a second, this doesn't feel right. I'm still not, you know, I've, I, or maybe you've got a pain in your chest 
because you've overdone the breath work, for example. I mean, that'd be pretty difficult to do, but some people are stupid. You know, um, uh, mm -hmm. I remember on, with the Wim Hof Facebook group, somebody um, uh, said, oh, I'm doing about 20 rounds of this Wim Hof breathing technique uh, a day. Um, uh, I feel great. I'm sure it's okay. Please tell me if I'm doing it wrong. And, and I thought, I don't even want to grace that with an answer because you know, the, the reason why that person put that post up is there, it, there was really just as a way of telling the world, look how crazy I am. I can do 20 rounds of this. Everybody knows that would be too much. You know, you're creating a stress. Stress mm. is good and bad. You can make stress work for you, but if you push stress too much, then you lose that um, ability to adapt and change internally. And that's when you start seeing long-term effects. So, um, I did say, you know, I gave him a sensible response and said, look, yeah, you're going too far. At some point, that's going to bite you in the backside. So dial it down again. Um, so most of the warning signs would be fairly obvious. You know, if um, you go to the doctor and you realize your blood pressure's changed, um, you know, it's, uh, if you notice that your heart rate is always, you know, going like the crack, the clappers, um, you know, I'm not saying all this could happen, um, and probably won't if you take it sensibly and you take it easy and you don't force this, the best way to do and mm. practice the cold and the breath work is to go in slowly and just develop and build it up over time. Don't be consumed by other people's perceptions and, um, uh, beliefs around this just because one person can hold their breath for three minutes doesn't mean that you should be able to just because one person can stand 10 minutes in the cold shower doesn't mean that you should um, so mm. work with those that are experienced ideally and if not do your research and take it easy and you will be fine Excellent. Well, Dave, thank you so much for your time today. Um, we are approaching the hour mark, so we better get up and move, right? <laughs> um, the inner preachers of what Absolutely. we're well, what we're saying. Um, um, so, yeah, like, where can people find you online? Let's 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 leave it there. Uh, where where can people find you online if they want to learn more about what you do, if they want to connect with you, and want to um, yeah learn more about your coaching and dive more into this? Right. So, LinkedIn, David Florence. Uh, so Florence spelt like the city. Um, my website is daveflorence.com. You'll find me on YouTube under Evolution of Dave, and you'll see a kind of blue Neanderthal figure as my logo. Uh, Instagram is evolution underscore of underscore Dave. Um, and that's about it. They're the main ones, I think. Excellent. Awesome. And so on, on the YouTube channel, um, just so people know what to expect, uh, that's... Uh, you mentioned you've done an interview recently, so is that also uh, interviewing guests as well? Yes, occasionally I interview guests, typically experts in particularly uh, a field of, you know, perhaps brain optimization, uh, meditation, yoga, things like that. But predominantly what I'm putting out there are videos that help others optimize their mind and their body. So quite often it's about breath work. Um, movement, um, positive psychology, lots of different things, everything that I've been taught and everything that I'm experimenting with. Um, sometimes I'll raise kind of the odd philosophical question and I'll pose, you know, a statement to get people to think. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, it, it is all still linked to my own evolution, really. You know, as I continue to flow through this life learning stuff, I then put it out there. Awesome. Well, Dave, thank you so much for today. It's been um, a pleasure. And um, yeah, I can't wait for our journeys to cross small. Um, and yeah, I would highly recommend anyone who's came up, who's listened to today's episode, guys, then I will link everything down below. So definitely check out YouTube channel and all of Dave's social links. But Dave, thank you once again. And I will be back next week for another episode of Raising Consciousness. So I will look forward to talking to you all then. If you got value from this episode, found it insightful or learned a thing or two, please leave a review where you can let everyone know that this show is worth checking out. I appreciate you so much. You'll be hearing from me in the next episode.